Hey, Rose, do you ever call up Royally Obsessed on Alexa? It's one of the easiest ways to listen to the pod. You can hear our latest episode every week there, thanks to Amazon Music, which has a full catalog of podcasts, including Royally Obsessed. All you have to do is say, Alexa, play Royally Obsessed on Amazon Music. Oh, no, mine is listening to me say that right at this moment. <laughs> a royal reminder, new episodes drop every Thursday. Tune in on Amazon Music. Now on to the show. Please rise for their majesties of Royally Obsessed, the podcast for all things royals. Stand by! Three cheers for Her Majesty the Queen! Welcome back to Royally Obsessed. I'm Rachel. And I'm Roberta. And Rachel has a baby Baby rattle. rattle. We're so (laughs) baby fever over here. It's time for your weekly update on the royal news you need to know. A couple of royal reminders before we dive in. Follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast. Subscribe to our podcast and leave us a royal rating of five stars. That's all we want to see. Five star reviews. Uh, Or send us an email. I guess four stars would be acceptable. That's fine. That's fine. We like the (laughs) feedback too. Uh, Send us an email at info at gallerypodcast.com if you just want to share your baby enthusiasm. Roberta, how are you doing? I couldn't be more excited for this episode. I I feel like this might be my most favorite episode. I'm so excited. So I like excited that about this baby. <laughs> I know, I know, a lot of a lot of pressure, but I know. Oh my gosh, a new royal! What a baby. weekend! I know it. It was such a delightful news, and I think it, it's funny because we were making predictions, due date predictions, just last week, and we were totally off, but not by much. We thought it would be not, soon. <laughs> I well, I think I guessed June twentieth, so I was a little off. I think I said but... June fourteenth. So I was like a week off. No, oh, no, wow. 10 days off. Yeah, that's so. pretty good though. And it's funny because yeah, up until the minute of them announcing it, everyone was trying to guess when. And it was mostly, I mean, we took a poll on Instagram, I think, and it was mostly end of June. So it was pretty much a surprise. For Total surprise. Like, yeah. How? But how was your weekend otherwise? It was good. So we had a summer heat wave, which I don't know if you still experiencing it. Yeah, it's been quite warm. I don't know if wherever our listeners are, but hopefully that'll subside in a little bit. Also, so the episode will air on what would have been Prince Philip's 100th birthday wow. tomorrow, June 10th. I know. Oh, so wild. I mean, he was, what, a month away? Two months away. Sorry, April. Yeah, two months Two away. months away from his 100th birthday. Wow. So I guess the arrival of Lily kind of, you know, makes it a brighter week when it would have, it's a tough milestone in general. Totally, totally. We're also going to be talking, obviously, in depth about Lilibet Diana pronunciation. We're not sure yet. Oh, I have, uh, I have uh, intel on that. We'll get to okay, it. Okay, you do. Oh, 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 I'm excited to hear. All right. See, most exciting episode, I think, to date. Plus, we're going to be talking about Megan's new book launching, the Queen's Platinum Jubilee plans, which were just announced after our last episode. Diana's car is for sale. Interesting. And so, so much more. Wait, Rachel, before we get into the episode... What have you been watching lately since Mary of Easttown is over? Oh, my gosh. What am I watching? I feel like it left a giant void in my life. Uh, Hacks is what I'm watching. Did it's I mention so that? Good. It's so it's good. It's so good. Yeah. I couldn't second that more. It's really, really funny. And I love anything that's like a 30-minute package. I'm like, 30 minutes, I can commit to that. And I can watch it while I eat dinner or after I eat dinner. And then I can okay, still so then- – 
open up my laptop reality I check. A, I have a really good <laughs> suggestion for you, which yes. is um, this show Catastrophe on Amazon Oh, I love Prime. Catastrophe. Oh, you do? Okay, I good. love Catastrophe. But I think I dropped off after season two, so I do have a couple seasons I need to catch up on. I think There's it's a, four seasons. Yeah. yeah, it's really cute. Are you yeah. just discovering that one? Yeah, I, I just, and we're like flying through it. We're already on season three, so. I love it. <laughs> like a nice little like British humor too. Yeah, and it goes really fast because it's like 25-minute episodes and mm-hmm. yeah, so But I good. do feel like life is coming back online, so it's like, TV has been my like comfort zone for the past year, but with, you know, so many restrictions being lessened with vaccines rolling out, it's definitely been a welcome change to see people and like have social plans. Like I'm going to a Red Sox game tomorrow night. Who am I? That's fun. Wait, I'm going to a Phillies game on Saturday. Look at us. Look at us. Baseball gals. No, but I was going to say I am like, I'm a little bit sad to leave that part behind though. Like I do love how... (laughs) <laughs> how much content I consumed over Me too. It was like an accomplishment. It's sort of like you could be like crossing off shows left and right. It was good. Exactly. And Dave and I are going to start Outlander, which I've never watched. Ooh, I've heard that that's incredibly good. I know. I'm excited. All right. Sorry. <laughs> we got to get into the episode. Yes, yes. This week, we are sipping. And now it's time for the weekly royal cocktail. Something pink. <laughs> that was like the directive. We were like, let's. P- oh, let's I'm holding p- it way too high. It, it wasn't even in the Zoom call. Um, cheers. Cheers. Virtual cheers. Gosh, Roberta, in person soon, I really hope. Right? I know. I know. So, our I'm sipping rose. Me too. Me, baby. And uh, this rose is actually really delicious. I want to tell you about it. It's called In Good Taste. It's from Seattle, Washington, and it's perfectly crisp. Rosé season is upon us, I guess we could say. Oh, that sounds delicious. I am actually just sipping a leftover favor. That So I actually went to a baby shower this weekend the day after Lilibet arrived for a friend of mine. And the favor was Aww. like a little um, to-go rosé. And that was – so I was like in the spirit, clearly. That's <laughs> – you were. You were. It should have been <laughs> toasting all bit. the babies this weekend. Yeah. All right. Well, our reader emailed this week. So we had to nod to all the baby due date predictions we received, which was so many, but also so baby many. name predictions. Wait, I'm gotta... excited about this email because, Roberta, how long has this been under lock and key? <laughs> yeah. So for three weeks, we were supposed to zip our lips, not say anything about this email from Lauren. Roro Lauren, she said that we had to keep it to ourselves. She had a genius theory about the name being Maya due to Megan wanting to gift her Cartier watch, which is engraved 2MM from MM to her future daughter. So with the last name Mountbatten-Windsor, the last name could work. And if she had just chosen an M name for the baby, she would have been able to gift that watch and say to For example, Maya Mountbatten-Windsor from Meghan Markle, which is a really sweet idea. I still think it's, you know, genius. I kind of wish it had happened. Such a genius prediction. Yeah, we were like, how do we hold on to this, like, exact information? (laughs) We really thought that this, we were like, she solved it. She got it. We know the name. And Lauren wanted us to keep it a secret. Yeah, so, because just in case she was right and all this, so... Yeah, which was also very kind of her, I will say, because she didn't want to cause any, like, royal rumors or scuttlebutt or add to the constant, you know, hubbub over that. Exactly. And she sent us a wonderful follow-up after the name reveal. She said, ladies, we didn't hit the bullseye for baby Lilibet Diana, but how cute are those names? Detail to note, Lily could also be a cute allusion to Megan's nickname of Flower. So when she was a little girl, Doria called her Flower, which is really sweet. And I hadn't thought about that. And so yeah. that's also including Doria in the name is, is really um, something that I thought 
you know, would happen, but this is a very sweet allusion to that as well, if it's in, in the case. Uh, she said, I also love this tidbit. Megan carried lilies of the valley in her wedding bouquet, as did Kate, Diana, and other royal brides. It's a beautiful flower and also perhaps pays homage to Queen Elizabeth II in its name. And then from Lauren in St. Louis. St. Louis. <laughs> I love it. I've honestly loved all the theories, all the baby name predicting. It's so fun. I guess we have to move on to Beatrice now. I know. You know? When is that fall? That's fall, I right? I think it's anticipated for fall. Yeah. Uh, but I also like that we were talking about on the podcast, like, I was I was hope- optimistic about maybe Philippa. And I, I love that it's still nodded to, you know, the queen or it could have nodded to Prince Philip, but I love that it stated, you know, a connection to Queen Elizabeth. Well, because it was Philip's nickname for the Queen. Is that right? Yeah. And now, this week in royal history. We thought it would be actually really interesting this week for royal history to dig into the context of Lilibet, the background of how the name came to be, as well as Diana's name, which is also really interesting. So Lilibet Lily Diana Mountbatten-Windsor arrived on June 4th. I wanted to confirm, because there's been a lot of talk about how to say the name. I wanted to mention this first. I ended up going rogue, Roberta, to surprise you. And I, last night at like 10 o'clock, sent a quick email to Micah Meyer, who knows all, right? She knows everything. And I was like, can you help us? Because everyone's saying it's either Lilibet or Lilibet. So, okay, she explained that it is Lilibet and it's not Lilibet. She said in the UK, everyone uses Lilibet affectionately for Her Majesty the Queen. So that's where Lilibet comes from. It's actually Lilibet. Interesting. Okay, so Lily, so let me clarify. Lily Butt is the British endearing, affectionate term for Her Majesty. Mm-hmm. Lily Butt is how you say this. How you say name. the name. Yep. Lily Okay, see, and that's she, what I thought because that's what I thought too. From the I Crown, that's to, how they say it in the Crown. Right. And I listened to multiple British journalists talking about the royal baby name, and they all said Lily Butt. Not Lilibet. Yeah. So it's like Lilibet is used affectionately. Okay. Uh, so I thought I thought it was like, I was like, I'm going to sleuth this out and surprise Roberta with my, my our, our go-to insider source. Uh, but anyways, let's talk about Lilibet. So Elizabeth, this name came when Elizabeth had a really hard time pronouncing her own name when she was just a toddler. And when they everyone kept saying Lilibet, she herself was saying Lilibet, the nickname ended up sticking. And her everyone in her family has always called her that. But to the point that the queen ended up signing all of her correspondence Lilibet. And it was like seven-year-old. There's a lot of uh, snippets being shared right now, like seven-year-old Elizabeth, who was still Princess Elizabeth, saying love from Lilibet. And so Prince Philip was the one that adopted the moniker and was said to be the last to use it affectionately for his wife, the queen. There's a note that was unearthed from that he sent to the queen mother in 1947 where it said, Lilibet is the only thing in the world that is absolutely real to me, which I was like, I just thought that was... I don't know. I got like teary. That's such a nice romantic. But yes, the name, the nickname stuck. Um, It it also is mentioned that the note on the coffin at Prince Philip's funeral was from Queen Elizabeth and it was signed Lilibet. But this is unconfirmed because we did not get a clear shot of that letter. I know. I tried to zoom in so many times and see what it said, but I couldn't make it out. But that's interesting that you bring this up because – I was under the impression, and now I think it was the wrong impression, that Philip was the only one in the family that was calling her Lilibet. That's no, not true, right? her father, her grandfather, everyone okay. from when she was three years old was calling okay. her Lilibet. And he kind of took uh, – Prince Philip took it on and adopted it when he met and fell in love with her. 
Oh, good. And I fell in love with her. all this. <laughs> I did. Yeah. No, it's 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 a really adorable story, and it's actually so rare. I think that you have sort of a a, a lovely nickname from that comes from a mispronunciation, right? And what's then, your nickname? Rachel. I think just Rach. I don't do you have you oh well, Bert. Well, <laughs> I call you Bowie, but Bowie, because yeah. that's your last name and it's such a great name. Yeah. Um, but a lot of people call me Bert, Berta. Yeah, Robbie. you have a lot of great Robbie. A lot of people have Robbie. Great- so my brother and Dave actually both call me Robbie. So that's my Instagram name, actually. That's why. Your Instagram name came from that nickname. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was, ever Robbie. since I was little, I've been Robbie. Actually, my parents thought that I would go by Robbie. Like, they didn't think I'd ever use Roberta, but then I thought Roberta sounded much more I feminine. I love Roberta, but I love. love all your nicknames. I always call you Bert, but <laughs> I like Bert too. Which is confusing to listeners when we're like Bert Bowie. We've heard that. But so. will my future children name their children Bert? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> Bertie? I don't know. It's so pretty. Anyways, I just want to quickly talk about Diana because her name, as we know, Lilibet Diana Mountbatten-Windsor, her second name nods to obviously Prince Harry's mother, uh, late mother Diana. But Diana's name also has some interesting historical significance and context. It's actually, uh, Diana actually got her name from Diana Russell, Duchess of Bedford, who in of the 18th century, who also went by Lady Diana Spencer. So back in the time, flashback to when Diana was born, her parents were eagerly awaiting a boy, and then they were struggling to find a girl name when Diana first arrived. So the the ironic part, actually, is that 18th century Diana was also set up with the then Prince of Wales, and it didn't what? work, but it didn't work out. It was like, there's actually, you should look into it, there's like a weird scandal around it. They were trying to make this match happen. They offered a sizable dowry, but then the prime minister found out and put the kibosh on the wedding happening. So Diana went on to marry the Duke of Bedford, but she ended up dying of consumption when she was just 25 years old. So it's a very tragic story as well. But that's how Diana got her name. So Diana is like kind of has like this tragic because the person died when she was 25 and Diana Mm -hmm. died very young too, obviously. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of tragic that Mm -hmm. that's kind of wild. I'm so glad you caught us all up on the history of these names. because I I don't think most people know about that. Yeah. Very fascinating. But this is the perfect segue into celebrations. Yes, let's get into the royal news this week. So first up, obviously, the royal baby. And I'm thinking, Rachel, to keep this kind of quick, that we're going to go like a little bit of a speed round. Do it. Okay. I'll, I'll cool. let you go. Um, but I'm also going to be touching on later the bench debut and Harry's summer. I want to talk about the bench in update. depth, but okay. Yes. All right. So we know that Lilibet Diana Mountbatten-Windsor is going to go by Lily. She was born at 11.40 a.m. on Friday, June 4th. The news wasn't announced till Sunday, June 6th. She was born at Santa Barbara Cottage Hospital in Santa Barbara, California, and she weighs 7 pounds, 11 ounces. We also got an announcement from Archwell, and that one is very sincere and sweet. It's a little more personal. It says, a message of thanks from the Duke and Duchess of Sussex. We are blessed with the arrival of our daughter Lily so we know that she's going to go by Lily she's more than we could have ever imagined and we remain grateful for the love and prayers we felt across the globe very sweet uh so Lily will be eighth in line in the line of succession I do really love that Lily bumps Prince Andrew down a line just want to comment on that but the uh, royal family website has still not been updated for the record keep going yeah and well it was updated to push Harry and Meghan down the 
like in the order of the website, the yes. royal.uk website. So now they're below Prince Edward and Sophie, Countess is- of Wessex. Which is very interesting. But anyways, so Lily is a Gemini and <laughs> I love horoscopes, so I'm gonna talk about that. Gemini are well known for positive energy. They're talkative and social butterflies, and they don't let others influence their way of life. Also, she's generation alpha. What is that? Do you know mean? that that's after Gen Z? Oh, so I don't I'm a know. millennial, then Gen Z, who are like the 18-year-olds right now, and then Gen Alpha. So she's Gen Alpha, which is wow. also Finn is Gen Alpha as well. Fascinating. Um, I did so look much. up her, her birth chart, but I honestly, <laughs> I don't know anything about birth charts, but I just wanted to say that Mercury is in retrograde right now, and her moon sign is Aries. Her sun sign is Gemini. If anyone can do anything with that information, great. June 4th is actually also Angelina Jolie's birthday. And for anyone who guessed Philippa as a name, you're not totally wrong. June 4th was actually Queen Philippa of England, Denmark, Sweden, Wales's birthday in like the 1300s. Really random. Oh, All these little, little things. I know. Yeah. I know. And then this just in from Omid. So he did confirm that Harry and Meghan got permission from the Queen to use Lilibet in their daughter's name. He said a Sussex source says the Queen was the first family that Harry called after her birth. And during that conversation, he shared the couple's hope of naming their daughter in her honor. Had she not been supportive, they would have not used the name. So this really goes against what BBC is saying, which the palace sources confirmed to them that the queen was never consultants, really just a messy back and forth. I, I can't like. get over think? that this is dominating the headlines, that the idea that this name is rude to the queen. I just feel like obviously they ran it by her. For me, like I didn't even, I don't know, maybe I'm just making a, an assumption, but I just feel like of course they would have asked out of respect. Totally. And, and it's it very feel- clear that their relationship with the queen is solid. Like this whole time, the Oprah interview, they really made that apparent. Well, and it does feel like the courtiers and People working at the palace, the firm, the extended firm, are not in touch with what's actually going on between family members. And so they're confirming things to other sources when really we know the queen talked to – or, well, we know because now lawyers are actually contacting the BBC from the Sussex camp and saying, like, either you stop printing this because we have the facts, we have the evidence and the receipts, or, like, we're going to have our lawyers – you know, get involved. So that's, I mean, they're quite clear that they have talked to the queen and it it was approved. So it's just, it just feels like there's this mega divide between yeah. what's going on in the family and what's going on outside. Which ultimately of is the family. responsibility of the pe- the family to fix, like I think. Yeah. But anyways. Yeah. Well, we've seen that a lot. I feel like we've seen like kind of some staff changes a lot in the yeah. past couple months. So Omid went on to say that those close to Prince Harry also confirmed that he spoke to close family. So he told William and Kate and Charles and Camilla before the annou- the public announcement that we all saw on Sunday. So Omid goes on to say kind of what I just said, which is that perhaps this report highlights just how far removed aides within the institution are. And they might have learned the news like we did, the public. So mm-hmm. it was just kind of kept within a very tight circle, which I think is good. And yeah. and that's how it should be, was that Harry kind of talked to his family before. I also want to note that Lilibet was the queen's nickname before she would ever she knew she would ever be queen, which is really interesting yeah. because this baby is not really destined for this royal role that the name would kind of imply to most people who are hearing it. They're like, oh, it's an homage to the queen, but I thought they didn't want to be royal. It's like Lilibet was her nickname before she ever knew she would be queen. So I yeah. think that was interesting. And also if she goes by Lily, like she'll be able to kind of 
not it'll be she can fade in i mean she'll never fade into the you know she'll never be just <laughs> but i think it'll be less obvious if she's corresponding or something well and that archie and lily are both nicknames as first I names i think that. that's really sweet and that archie was born in the uk just like his dad was born in the uk lily is born in the u.s just like her mom so i think that's really so sweet. many parallels yeah so many parallels harry also in 2019 might have given us a hint that they were already thinking about this name if archie were a girl so when they visited Birkenhead in 2019, Harry met a little girl named Lily, and he then asked her parents how they spell it, which I think was a pretty big clue that we all should have latched. I well, mean, it's funny because I saw did, that but. bubbling up when there was like, you know, there when Megan Megan mentioned in the Oprah interview how somehow when she's nowhere, she's still everywhere, and I felt like in the days leading up to her birth there were so many headlines and one of them was pointing out the fact that Harry had mentioned Lily and I was like, oh, that's all hogwash. Can I say hogwash? Um, yeah. <laughs> it was just like people are grasping at straws, but look at them. They were completely right on the mark. I know. Well, and it's it's funny too, knowing now that they obviously didn't know that Archie would be a boy, so they had both names picked out. And so this has probably been in the works for a mm-hmm. while. Uh, so Lauren already mentioned this in her reader email, but Lily of the Valley, I thought this was really cool, has been in all the royal bouquets that she mentioned. It's abundant in late spring and symbolizes the return of happiness, which is really sweet because it feels oh. like they're returning to a place where they feel less pressure and where they feel really safe and secure. Can the I say name- that- Oh, go ahead. No, I keep messing up your speed round. I was just going to say, Lily of the Valley <laughs> was like... a speed round. Uh, when I was a child, Lily of the Valley grows like all around the house that I grew up in. It's, and oh. so we used to pick bouquets of it and give it to our bus driver. Like every morning while we were waiting for the bus, we'd go That's in the woods. So and the sweet. cool thing about Lily of the Valley is when you shake it by your ear, it kind of like rings. Like it, oh. it like almost is like a little bell-like effect. So. You can hear it. Mm-hmm. And it supposedly has a really kind of powerful scent. Yeah, it's very it's fragrant. Like, and it's... Um, a very summery scent is mm-hmm. what I read. So I can't really, I don't really picture if I've ever smelled Lily of the Valley, yeah. but that kind of did it for me. So the name Lily means purity and innocence. Um, this is wild. Did you see the Northwestern coincidence of the date? I saw some headlines. Tell me about it. 25 years ago to the day that Lily was born, Diana visited Northwestern, which we know is Megan's alma mater. What? It's just getting it's just eerie. Weird. This is just eerie, Roberta. <laughs> it's eerie. All these other little things I keep reading that I'm like, I have to throw this at Rachel. So Archie and Betty, like the comics, like Archie. And, I did like that. I mean, That's we're, cool. she's going to go by Lilibet, but it's just funny. Um, we know that the royal family responded a couple hours later. So it seems like maybe it was just that the courtiers, the, the aides didn't know. And so they had to prepare the statements. Um, and except for a few emojis and an exclamation point, it was pretty much the standard, we are delighted, we wish them well, all this stuff. But my favorite was Princess Eugenie's, which said, congratulations, cousins, which I thought felt very intimate and personal. Um, most of the photos that accompanied the announcement that people used were of those gorgeous black and white photos from Misan Harriman. Yeah. Uh, it reminded me that we just haven't seen that many photos of them as a family this year. Just- I know. But I think I was thinking about that, how I really like that those shots by Misan Harriman were are kind of the the image that I have of this pregnancy for Megan versus the last. Because I think that that contrast, like when you th- it's not to discount the joy around Archie's arrival, but we do know that she was going through so much. And I think mm-hmm. it feels nice to think about this pregnancy being a little bit more – less pressure, more relaxed. The tree of life. The, yeah. The, those yeah. photos just feel so symbolic still for me. And the fact that those are some of the last images. And then the one great. to include Archie, like kind of sitting on her – 
pregnant belly is really sweet too because I feel like they, you know, as a big brother, you don't want the firstborn to feel like left out or like kind of overwhelmed Mm -hmm. in this moment of like, oh, I have a sibling now. Like, what does that mean? I don't know. So I thought that was really sweet. Um, Prince Charles, though, did actually speak about his new yeah, he was at like a cool Mini Cooper event, actually. I was like, yeah. I love a Mini Cooper, so. <laughs> I didn't know that about you. <laughs> to get you like a bright pink Mini Cooper. Oh, my parents have one and I've been dry. It's like 20 years. A bright years pink old. one? No, red, red, red. But it's oh. like 20 years old and it's stick shift. And I like have been driving around, but it's like, it's pretty old. I, I think we should do like a royally obsessed on the road tour. In the oh, Mini yeah. Coop. All right. Drive to the airport, get on the plane and go to the UK. <laughs> I love it. Um, Yeah, he said, though, in his speech, Prince Charles, at the Mini Cooper factory, he said, uh, the development of technology, like electric vehicles, is vital for maintaining the health of our world for future generations, something I am only too aware of today, having recently become a grandfather for the fifth time. Such happy news really does remind one of the necessity of continued innovation in the area. So it kind of just mentions it quickly, goes back to what he's focusing on for this event but I did that I think that was really nice especially because it's kind of been a theme in a lot of the royals events where the environment and like the earth shot Prince William mentioned mm-hmm. that he was reinvigorated to kind of help out with climate change and and sustainability because of George Charlotte and Louis so I thought that was really sweet mm-hmm. that he made that call to talk about that and then I just wanted to say that, do you think it's funny? So they had a new baby, a baby girl, and the focus shifts, you know, from Archie to this new baby. But then they can be like, look, but we wrote you a book. <laughs> we have a book for you. That you're like, he's Great the focal point. Yes. Archie is the focal point of this book. So maybe that was planned. Like they that didn't want him so to feel. That is so Roberta, that they were like, look, you are not the forgotten child. Right. He wrote you a picture book. And then Megan, re- like he can, Archie can always listen to her reading the audio book when That is the wants. ultimate gift. Well played. I know they couldn't calculate that, but that is like, because they always say to get the first sibling a, a gift of some kind so that they don't feel sad when they're no longer the number one center of attention. And she wrote him a book. Like genius, genius. Ultimate power mom move. What do you think for the first photo of Lily? Do you think we'll see it anytime soon? So I was thinking about that. I don't know, but I do feel like there's been chatter about, you know, Harry, of course, and Meghan being very welcome back in the UK by the queen and the family and stuff like that for all the upcoming events. You know, we obviously have the unveiling of the Diana statue. We also have the Platinum Jubilee next year. Mm-hmm. I would be I would be delighted if one of the first images was Lilibet meeting Lilibet. Oh, that would be so good. But I don't know that we're going to see a, a photo. I think we will just because I feel like Megan's the influencer. And that as much as like they're yeah. away from social media, I do think all the images they've released via the Archwell website, like the picture of – Baby Archie holding the not baby anymore, I guess two year old Archie holding the balloons was very influencery, right? Like from yeah. behind and like black and white. And so I do think that we're gonna see something of her before, but that will be really sweet if she's on the balcony or, like something, you know what I mean? or something. Yeah. Well, also I do think that there's value in them releasing the photo purely from the sink of it takes the pressure off because obviously you're thinking about paparazzi attention, sort of the hunger to get that photo. So it would dissipate it if they release the photo themselves the way Kate sort of controls that. Totally. And you know how we not we don't get a lot of information when they announce the statement. So it's like the time, where, the date. 
And then it's not a lot else, but we do get the baby weight. So I wanted you to play a guessing game with me. This is like, we're having like a little bit baby shower right now. Yeah. So the guessing game is, okay, so who do you think is the heaviest royal baby oh. in recent memory? At birth. Actually, in the last hundred years, the heaviest royal oh. baby. Oh, wow. We're going way back. Okay. <laughs> I feel like my knowledge is of royal babies is so limited. but I feel like we are at a baby shower. All right, shower. I'm going to say like something, something like really rogue and random i'm gonna say diana was diana the heaviest royal baby prince louis was almost so he was eight pounds seven ounces which is the heaviest in the last 100 years wow do you want to know how heavy finn was eight pounds 11 ounces (laughs) he was a he he arrived two weeks late it's a big baby so well done kate that's hard (laughs) and I guess Lilibet or no, Archie was, has been the smallest. So Archie yeah, Archie's seven, tiny. Yeah. Seven pounds, three ounces. Lilibet is seven pounds, 11 ounces. George, Charlotte, and Louis were all pretty close. So George and Louis were both eight pounds, seven ounces, eight pounds, six ounces, and then Charlotte, and then Lilibet. And Archie's a little, little guy. Oh. We got to talk about the bench. We're like, <laughs> I know, I know, I know. I talk all day about the royal baby. All right, so bench but came congrats. out. Congrats! I week. mean, what a what a wonderful occasion. So so exciting. So we talk about the book. Uh, I mean, I feel like there was planned to be Megan doing promo for this book. Maybe not. I don't what do think, you think. I don't think so. I mean, I feel like I can't imagine. I mean, maybe she would have done one interview, but I feel like she was so. If she hadn't had the baby, she was so pregnant that I think the timing of it would have been too tough. Yeah, I was thinking. It would have been good timing just so that it's not like she's saying no to interviews. Like she has a very valid reason as to why not to do personal yeah. promo. But we've seen Christian Robinson do some promo for it. And we saw that they sent out copies to influencers. So we saw Grave Malin post, which raised SMQs. So many questions if I can <laughs> copy that. Um, it's funny because looking into it, so they do have a relationship. Gray and Megan met in 2005. He posted pictures of her Toronto home on his blog, and she has a bunch of his artwork. So she said that her mom gave her her first Gray Malin piece. She had a uh, aerial beach print in her Toronto home. Um, what did you think about that? That unveiling. I mean, I was definitely surprised by it. I feel like it. I mean, I didn't know their relationship. Yeah, and it just raises the question of who else got the book, I think. Yeah. That's what I was interested in. I had to say when I opened mine, I was like, will there be a little note from note. the Duke and Duchess of, you know, from the, wait, it said the Duke and Duchess of Sussex or? It said from the office of the Duke and Duchess yeah. of Sussex with compliments from Megan, the Duchess of Sussex, which I thought was, I thought it was really repetitive, actually. I was like, why would they say with compliments? Like, so maybe yeah. Harry sent out copies to his friends and it says from, like, from the office of. The Sussexes with compliments from Harry. I think that's just because I mean? we're such wordsmiths. We like, or not wordsmiths, know, we just are so used it. to no word repetition <laughs> in our jobs. But yeah, um, I know. I, I definitely shook out my envelope when it arrived. I was like, maybe she put a note in there, but no. But <laughs> the book is a delight. I want to just say that I read it to Finn. I wanted like a genuine kid toddler reaction. reaction. So I read it. His immediate response when I finished was, it's sad. It's the first it's thing he said. Yeah. But I think that... Finn is like currently fascinated with with anyone crying. I think it's that he's at a stage where he's discovering different emotions. And the page in particular where it's next to the school bus and there's a little boy crying on the bench to his father. 
that was the one he wanted to like ask questions, the most questions about. Well, and then there's a picture of a kid with a broken toy. It does like it does kind of feel a little like a little bit heavy for a little it's kid. Definitely like, it's definitely heavy. But he's not as imaginative. It's not like about imaginary characters. I think like a lot of the little kids books I've read to my niece are like all these like fantastical things that are happening. And this is very like real. Yeah, it's it's definitely real. It's very emotional. I feel like for the person reading it, it reminds me of some of those where you're like sad about sort of the growing up and all of that stuff and the, the different experiences that your kid is likely to have. But I did like all the little, you know, she there was like a giraffe and a squirrel and a dinosaur. I mean, I feel like that was what Finn gravitated towards as well. Also, um, I feel like this is one critical note, but it's only because I, I was reading along. What Say did you it. think of the last line? Where you'll never, where you'll where never, you'll be, never alone. be alone. Lone. Like, so I did, I did some looking into that because I was like, oh, like, could it have just been where you'll never be alone? But I feel like lone actually has a different meaning than alone. So I think that it actually makes sense that that's why Megan chose it. But I think just reading so many kids books, I was like, oh, that ended uniquely. But I guess when you say the word lone, it means that you're lacking the support of others or feeling isolated. But if you say alone, having it means that you have no one else physically present. So oh, I feel like it was it was an intentional choice that Megan made to ha- say loan because it's a little bit more about like the mental health component of it. Anyways, right. I was just looking into it because I just, I love no, the rhythm so of kids books. And as I was reading it, I just, that stopped I, me. I kind of get the feeling that it's more for parents than kids. That's just what it feels like. It's mm-hmm. just from everything we've just talked about. I just think that that's, it's yeah. not like kids are entertained by it. It's more like, well, Finn was, I just want to be, he, he really loved it. He did yeah. really hang on the pages, but yeah, I think it's that sort of double meaning. Right. It's like a poem for adults and parents that can relate to it. But then also it's like has those beautiful drawings from Christian Robinson for Stunning, the kids. Which makes the whole thing come alive. Yeah. And then the last thing I want to know about Sussexes is that the announcement that Harry will be back in the UK for the statue unveiling. I know that we've been had whiplash about this from sources saying he won't, he will, he won't. But hello, says a source confirmed to them that the Duke of Sussex will return to the UK next month for the statue of his late mother, Diana. And we just got a video from Harry, good eye Rachel, that the Invictus Games 2023, which feels like decades away, is going to be in Dusseldorf, Germany. And there's a selfie video of Harry for the announcement. Um, I'm just like, can we get through the Hague first? I feel like I just need to like, it's just Everyone's got their, their diaries open, as they say in the UK. Speaking of which, we have the Queen's Diary on Overbook right now, Overdrive, because she just also dropped an announcement about the Platinum Jubilee. That was yes. a surprise, but yes. really exciting to look forward to in a post-COVID world with Trooping the Color continually canceled two years in a row. But we know now that leading into 2022, she'll be obviously celebrating 70 years on the throne, which becomes official February 6th. And I just thought that the big headline is also the ju- the Platinum Jubilee equals four-day bank holiday for anyone in the UK. So that's something to celebrate, I'm something sure. Something to celebrate. <laughs> Cheers to that. Cheers to that. So from we know that from June 2nd to June 5th, there's going to be uh, no shortage of events. They think it's actually, they're saying while this is sort of the main celebration, it's going to be year-long festivities for the Queen. This includes full-blown Trooping the Color, like no scaled back, which we're expecting this weekend. <laughs> there's a service of Thanksgiving at St. Paul's Cathedral and big ticket moment, the Platinum Party at the Palace, which is going to be a live concert featuring the world's 
This is a quote, the world's biggest entertainment stars. Roberta, who do you think will be there? I'm excited for this. This is super exciting. You know, I would love to see like Lady Gog <laughs> there, <laughs> but I'm sure it's going to be some British well, Pop I looked stars. back. So at the Diamond Jubilee in 2012, they had Kylie Minogue, Robbie Williams, Robbie, um, Elton John, Stevie Wonder, Tom Jones, Paul McCartney. Oh, wow. So they already Maybe had some pretty big names. How did they top that? Ellie Golding. Oh, yeah. Who I performed at? Yeah. Kate and William's wedding? Yeah. I was thinking maybe a little Celine Dion. I love Celine. Ooh, that would <laughs> I mean, be She's a Commonwealth good. country Canadian. Like, that could work. Yeah. She's a I, powerhouse. I keep, I keep thinking, <laughs> like... Record. Their like British secret weapon is Daniel Craig oh <laughs> because gosh, of the Olympics yes. uh, skit with James Bond and yes. the Queen. I just I can't get over that. So yeah. that's like my favorite. I would love some emails like from any Roros that traveled to the Diamond Jubilee. Like, let us know mm. what it was like. Because I keep thinking, Roberta, it would be so fun because one of the events is also the big Jubilee lunch where there's all these street parties, all of that stuff. So a lot of exciting um, events tied to this. want to mention that the timing of this announcement was a little bit eyebrow raising for a lot of people because it dropped on the very same day that the Guardian released a report about discrimination at the palace. So I so think now we the, know why there's uh, I just think it was like all this talk about the Platinum Jubilee and, so early right yeah, to commit yeah. to it um, and announce all of it on the same day. So but I just want to get into this report. Last week, The Guardian published a report containing documents from British National Archives that show that the Queen's courtiers banned ethnic minority immigrants and foreigners from holding clerical positions at Buckingham Palace or in the royal household until the late 1960s. They were allowed – this is the part that's also just awful to read – but they were, they were allowed to be hired as domestic servants, per the report. So no – they couldn't be in senior roles or clerical duties, but they – but – they could be in servant roles, which is yeah, and till nineteen sixty eight, I think it said, is that right? Nineteen sixty eight. Yep. But so they also revealed this report also revealed that via the Queen's consent, which has come under a lot of fire this year for other reasons, it's a parliamentary procedure. The royal household was given an exemption from UK legislation that aimed at preventing discrimination in the workplace. So this carried on beyond 1968. The Queen's exemption allowed Parliament to openly debate expanding discrimination laws since palace the palace wouldn't be affected. So basically, they wanted to change and expand so that discrimination laws applied not just to public places, but they applied to workplaces, all of that. But by exempting the queen, it made it that they could openly debate this. I guess that it the concern from the palace was that if they were included in this legislation, they would sort of become subject to a lot more criticism than they wanted to be. Mm-hmm. Not even about this issue, but it just sort of opened up the floodgates of what information was available to the public, as I understand right. it. It's like it is a company, so, but it's not, and it operates, I would think, very differently from the company. Yeah, so I think that it's all sort of in the red tape of yeah. this, but the exemption for the palace also meant that it didn't mean that discrimination complaints couldn't be lodged. They still could be lodged, but they had to go, they would go to the home secretary, which was internal versus courts. Right. But that's that's a big deal. So, and we also know from the report that the queen is still personally exempt from discrimination laws today, 
But they do, again, the palace says that there's a separate process internally to handle discrimination complaints. I want to also read the statement from the palace, which said claims based on a secondhand account of conversations from over 50 years ago should not be used to draw or infer conclusions about modern day events or operations. Also, they said the royal household and the sovereign comply with the provisions of the Equality Act in principle and in practice. This is reflected in the diversity, inclusion, and dignity at work policies, procedures, and practices within the royal household. Any complaints that might be raised under the act follow a formal process that provides a means of hearing and remedying any complaint. So what I get from that is they have their own process set up that they kind of said in, in, in response to what's going on in Parliament – We'd like to exempt ourselves, but we're going to set up our own, you know, system that we can use for diversity, inclusion, discrimination at work, but it's just going to be separate. And that's also kind of, I mean, it, it does raise a lot of red flags. It's like, why would you not subject yourself to the thing that everyone else is subjected to as a company? Yeah. But like we mentioned, I feel like it operates similarly but so different from other companies so i don't know well i think it also really removes the power of their employees to you know if you only can go through an internal process then you don't have the you're not entitled to the the other options through the discrimination laws in the uk you kind of give up your like legal rights a little bit to work for them yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. i did want to say that you know the context here is also like the 1960s obviously there was a lot of conversations about race, segregation laws were still very much in play and being phased out in the U.S. and the U.K. They were, you know, there were, I feel like diversity at work was practically non-existent. But I think that the complication for me is that, but also the Queen's consent continuing the lack of protection for employees. Right. Like, why is it still in place, are you saying? Yeah. yeah, why is it still in yeah. place? And I think the this report coming out on the heels of the Oprah interview in particular is just bad because I think the monarchy continues to say that they're modern, but the statement was still so limited. What are they going through to modernize and sort of make the public feel in the Commonwealth that they are changing things? And I also think with this statement, like there really wasn't any apology or any recognition for anyone of color that's listening. I think that it's very they should be saying we're sorry and that yeah. we're addressing this. And I want to hear very clearly. Yeah. And I want to, I feel like I want to applaud these reporters who have done so much digging to find this stuff out because it is so complicated. Like even you explaining it in, in to me, like right now it's just still seems so convoluted, but I, I think that there are people working to kind of uncover, okay, this is not right. The palace has been doing this. They did this up until 1968. If not longer, they exempted themselves from all these rules now someone needs to answer for it, right? Like we mm-hmm. need someone to say like this, we're not just hiring a diversity czar. We're doing mm-hmm. all these things to kind of correct this, what we see as something that is not right and that we are at fault for. And it just feels like no one is able to say we're at fault. That's what mm-hmm. it really feels like. Yeah, I just think that transparency has to happen here. I know that they're mm-hmm. never complain, never explain, but I think that yeah. this is a matter where we are seeing so many companies around the globe really rectify their policies and really be open about the changes they're making because, you know, systemic racism is everywhere, but mm-hmm. it's what are you doing about it now and how are mm-hmm. we fixing that? And I think that falls to all of us. So anyways, this was definitely a big deal. Yeah, such a big deal. And we're probably going to hear a lot more about it in the coming weeks. Yeah, say. absolutely. Yeah. And the Queen's Diary, you know, going back to that for a minute, it is on overdrive. So we're going to start to see so many 
public events with the queen. And, you know, she has Biden coming this weekend, scale back trooping the color. And also, you know, UK lockdown is supposed to end on June 21st. So it might change, but it's subject to change. But it is interesting as we follow this story, though, as I think it's still developing, but to see, you know, there's this huge, huge thing which draws attention to a problem in the royal household and family and palaces. But then there's the announcement of the Platinum Jubilee plans. Yes, and like, exactly. You, can, you can't say anything bad because, like, look at all these happy plans about this queen 70 years on the throne. Like, it's very, very um, manipulative. I don't want to say manipulative. It's no, it very, is. Ta- it's... I don't know. It's just like it's, it's, like it's bumping, strategy. Yeah, it's yeah. bumping one headline off the front page to, you know, sort of playing the, you know, controlling the narrative. Yeah. So we'll have to keep our eyes open for that in the future. Um, all right. Before we adjourn the Royal Pod, here are our highs and lows. It's time for the Royal Highs and Lows. Yeah. So my low, speaking of racism, continued. Uh, the reaction still a little bit. Diana, have you been following this, Roberta? Where it's disgusting. Yeah. It's shameful and disgusting. It's she's a baby. She's yeah, a week old baby. Like yeah. Ugh. So there were a couple of people. I'm not going to give them airtime of even what they said. But in the UK, a couple of prominent, a writer at the Telegraph, a barrister, which is a lawyer. The writer from The Telegraph has been fired from her job. I know that the barrister is on indefinite leave for comments that they made on Twitter about Lilibet. It's just, I, I agree exactly what you said, that the my low is just that, you know, Lilibet Lily is not even a week old and she's the subject of this kind of discourse and conversation and comments and it's not okay. One of the headlines I could not handle was, it said, Megan and Harry's baby name is tone deaf at best and cynical at worst. It's like, no, that reflects on you, the writer, being cynical about the baby. That's not, like, if you had gathered all the facts, you would know that they had consulted the queen. I don't know. I can just, ugh. All right, my low is uh, this kind of a funny low that Sophie and Edward are trying to cancel Oprah or just pretend she doesn't exist. So this, it's actually a really good piece by Camilla Tomini in the Telegraph, otherwise good, um, published on Friday. The pictures are really lovely. It's Sophie and Edward and their dogs, which are really sweet. The dogs in one picture are like kissing each other. It's kind of cute. Um, or like touching their noses to each other. Um, they also talk about seeing the queen and Philip during lockdown, which was really sweet. They like yelled at each other from a balcony, which is very like not relatable royals, but okay. Um, <laughs> but in one part, so Camilla writes, I share an anecdote about the Archbishop of Canterbury apparently having a long conversation with Winfrey at Harry and Meghan's wedding without having a clue who she was. The Countess leaps to the most reverend Justin Welby's defense. This is Sophie, Countess Wessex, saying, you know, if you're not into chat shows, there's no reason why you should know who she is. Certainly not in this country anyway. Er, wrong, Ouch. Sophie. Not correct. <laughs> I'm sorry, but everyone Oprah knows Oprah transcends life. I don't know. <laughs> also, Sophie, you visited Oprah's schools. Like, you know who Oprah... Like, it just is like... They're like, Oprah who? And, like, obviously that was a joke, and we know that they just don't want to talk about it, and they're skirting the issue, but couldn't they have said, like, no comment? I don't know. Also, we mentioned this earlier, but just Harry and Meghan getting bumped down on the royal.uk when Andrew was still on there, and a associate of the convicted pedophile Jeffrey Epstein, just very disheartening to see. Um, but, you know, they stepped back, so it is what it As is. As did he. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> highs. Let's get into highs. My high of the week is out of left field, but Diana's car is for sale. And so it's her 1981 Ford Escort Gia Saloon. I know nothing about cars, but it was 
an engagement gift to her from Prince Charles that he gave to her in May 1981, just ahead of their wedding. I have a question. Does it still run? It still runs, yeah. And it still has the original license plate, too. I guess the the people that bought it, it was sold to a private owner back then in August 1982 when she was moved on from it. And it's in perfect condition, the paint job, everything. But this was my favorite detail that made this in my high, is that apparently Diana's sister Sarah had gifted her a silver frog mascot. And there's a replica of it on the hood, which is shown in pictures of Diana when you look back to the 1980 image, 81 images. It's a gift. It's a it's meant to symbolize the fairy tale where a kiss from a beautiful girl turns a frog into a prince. Oh my God. It's just so funny. I feel like the symbolism, it's just crazy. Uh, But look up the photos if you haven't seen them because you see Diana kind of driving around and there's this little frog and it makes it just, I feel like I would be like, oh, it's just a car. But then the fact that the frog is there, I mean, like, man, the auction kicks off at the end of June, so. Like millions, are we talking? What no, we they were. I, they I were can't esti- get in on this auction. They were estimating way, right? about fifty-five thousand for the okay. how much the car would go for. Got it. I'll start saving now. Yeah. Um, my high is just that we got a little video of August Hawk Brooksbank cooing in his baby Bjorn for World Oceans Day on Instagram Story. If you listen to it with sound, he is a delight. He is. He's making so many noises. He's playing with this fluffy blue toy shark. And Eugenie posted it for World Oceans Day. And it's very, very sweet. You also, this is what I love too. You see the interior of Frogmore Cottage, which I I mean, I'm guessing it has to be right there. That's where they live. So we see like really pretty light sage colored cabinets. Is this on her? I like totally missed this, Roberta. I'm pulling up my Instagram. I hope, I don't know if it's still there. I think it was yesterday. I hope it's. Oh, it was on her stories. Okay, okay. It was on her stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. And uh, there's giant ceramic cream colored tiles, which is in the kitchen. I'm just getting design inspo from Frogmore. And then um, some beautiful white. No. Oh, I'll send you. I think that. um, I think it's on YouTube. I think someone downloaded a screenshot. Yeah, it was really good. Sounds magical. All right. (laughs) Best episode ever. Just a reminder before we close, leave us a royal rating. This review says, so much fun. I love these ladies. Facts, fun, and fabulous stories. We will have to keep them coming. Reminder to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. Follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast. You can also send us an email at info at gallerypodcasts.com. Tell us if you went to the Diamond Jubilee. We'd love to hear your stories. And follow us personally. I'm at Robbie Frito on Instagram. And I'm at RKBNYC. Until next week. God, God save, save the, the pod. pod. Her Majesties of Royally Obsessed have retired for this episode. God save the pod. And if you fancy the podcast, give Royally Obsessed the royal rating of five stars on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast and join our Facebook group, Royally Obsessed. Royally Obsessed is a gallery podcast production.